Why, hello there, my fellow kings and queens. Welcome to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast, where you will learn how to rule over your Dynasty League for years to come. Now, allow me to introduce you to your hosts, Max, Peter, and Jace. Here we go. Episode number 38 of the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. Now, gentlemen, I think everybody came into the draft a little bit humdrum about it. Oh boy, that was something. A lot of action, a lot of trades, a lot of, a lot of questionable landing spots for these, these young guys. I think we're going to have a completely, completely full episode today. We got a great one coming. We got Jace out in Arizona, Max and Nixie, super producer Nixie in Ohio. How are we doing today, guys? Dude, I'm doing really well. I got to, uh, I know, Peter, I want to hear about your draft experience in Vegas, but got to spend it with Nixie. And that was just awesome to reconnect with Nixie. Haven't seen him really since high school. So it was nice just to talk fantasy, get those live reactions and stuff like that. But want to hear about your experience, Peter and uh, Jace. Want to hear what you did as well. You know, I, I don't know if I'm in Arizona or if I'm in Hollywood. <laughs> We're going to get into that later in the episode. But uh, it was a good draft, man. I was working during the draft, uh, especially day two. But, I mean, like you said, Peter, a lot of crazy landing spots. I mean, some questionable picks, some big-time trades. It was, it's been the off-season for the ages, man. I'm just super happy about it. And you got to enjoy it in Vegas and all places. So uh, let, let's hear about that. How was it? Yeah, man. Uh, Shout-out to – First and foremost, just the uh, the city in general, like uh, all the people, all the workers in the casinos and and everywhere, all the restaurant workers, the entire city was so welcoming and uh, it was a really, really, really incredible vacation. Got to spend it with some some great friends uh, as well. Uh, there is a couple of videos of me at the draft, which got pretty close, actually, uh, pretty close to the front. But there's some videos of me at the draft overreacting to the Jets picks. So I hope those videos never leak. Um, yeah, no, it was a very passionate weekend. I was with an Eagles fan as well. So the AJ Brown news broke and, and Ooh. pandemonium, the, the, the Eagles traveled well. There were a lot of Eagles fans, a lot of jet fans there as well. I'd say that those were probably the two most represented even more than the Raiders fans, uh, at the draft, but no, it was an incredible time, super incredible time. Got to gamble a little bit and I ended up leaving Vegas up money. So anytime you can leave up, I uh, even hit the airport slot and hit a hit a nice jackpot on the the uh, airport slot as well. So I Ooh, I pieced go. out right after I hit that. I was like, I am deuces. Never like take that money and run. But uh, before we get into the episode, guys, uh, enough about Las Vegas and the draft. We'll we'll get it. We'll get into the draft uh, a little bit later. But uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs are back. Something I did want to touch on for two seconds. If you could take, this is kind of our little launching point for today's episode, if you could take any two NFL players and make them fight hockey style during a game, who would it be? Wow, that's a really good question. That's a great question. I think I'm still taking OBJ and the uh, the kicking net. (laughs) (laughs) I want to just see some dogs fight. Like, I want to see, like, DK. Oh, Mike Vick? No, no, like, DK Metcalf (laughs) versus, like, Jalen Ramsey or someone. I don't know. It's just some people that just don't like each other, man. Yeah, I got a good one. Yeah, I got a good one for you guys. Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore. There we go. Run it up. Let's see. (laughs) 
That is good. I, I was thinking maybe something with Baker and like Sam Donald or Zach Wilson, but I can't I can't do that to Zach Wilson just putting him in that like that. But how about Traylon and Drake London duking it out? You know, Ooh, okay. Uh, I feel like probably the one and two, depending on how you feel about the wide receivers in this class, or at least rookie wide receivers. I feel like those big guys would be able to, you know, land some big ones. I feel like that'd be a good fight. Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. The uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs kind of get like overshadowed until the end. But I did want to just mention all the hockey fans out there. Congratulations. You've made it. If your team's still in it, it's the best time. Best time to root for some some hockey. Oh, yeah, baby. Playoff hockey. Nothing like it. All right. So on today's episode, we are going to be doing reports from around the realm. Uh, only a couple topics, really quick, really brief. Um, and then we're going to get into post-draft landing spots. It, it's really dicey out there, man. Seriously, really dicey. So we're going to have a lot of, a lot to talk about. Um, then we're going to close it out with Max's trade corner as well. A new lesson for Mr. Max to teach the lovely audience. Before we get into that, I did want to shout out today's sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the absolute best place and easiest way to play fantasy football. There are no waivers, no trades, or lineup setting. There is no league management aspects after you draft. That is perfect little phrase to highlight Underdog. Underdog Fantasy lets you draft a season-long team in just seconds and takes your best score each week of the season sign up now using code monarchy m-o-n-a-r-c-h-y and get a free deposit match up to 100 dollars in bonus catch again that's monarchy m-o-n-a-r-c-h-y and get a 100 deposit deposit yes the deposit bonus of a hundred dollars when you use our code or <laughs> some like to call it the deposit i think i can't <laughs> speak today cat got, um, cat got my tongue you know i'm just too excited about this jets draft I'm gonna make uh, you upset. Can I can I give my breaking news now? Sure. Oh, right in the middle of the ad read. Let's hear it. No, the ad read's gone. You go, you download underdog fantasy, you should deposit, whatever Peter called it, deposit, whatever it is. Here comes my breaking news. You know, I was sitting there during the draft watching it with Nixie, analyzing it for this episode. And I always give Peter a really, really just a hard time, you know, like a really hard time. It's the staple, and- the people love it. It's the banter. I mean, it's it's what gets the people back. But besides the point, I always give Peter a hard time about the New York Jets, the New York football Jets. And I sat here and I was like, you know, the Jets absolutely killed the NFL draft. I mean, they got so many great, talented positions that before, you know, I was like kind of like a Jet fan just to like make Peter happy so he'd continue to do the episodes for like with us. But now, like, I can genuinely say, like, I want the Jets to do well, Peter. I need you to keep your Jets fandom down, maybe a little notches sometimes, but I love the Jets, and I really think they did well. Are you trying to hop on a bandwagon? There's no bandwagon for last place, Peter, but I think there is a few <laughs> very great. Yeah, no, I've, uh, I've had a couple people walk up to me, uh, especially at the draft. I was wearing a Jets shirt of other teams. They're saying, look, you know, the Jets – you know, don't don't count them out next year. They're kind of going to be like the Bengals. Please do not make that comparison. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I I as a Jet fan, I can't take all this pressure. I, I'm comfortable when they lose because I know what it's like to actually like care about them in the postseason. I haven't felt that way in 12 years, so I, I can't even like basically remember what that feels like. But no, I. I the Jets fandom welcomes all, especially Jets Twitter. The Jets fandom welcomes all. Anybody that would like to be a part of this journey back to the playoffs is perfectly, perfectly allowed back. 
All right, we're going to get into our reports from around the realm section right now. Let's get it. All right, first up, sad day for Josh Jacobs fans, including myself, Josh Jacobs' owner. Las Vegas has declined the fifth-year option of Josh Jacobs, and beyond this, ended up drafting Zamir White from Georgia. How concerned are you for Josh Jacobs' workload in this upcoming season? I don't think, like, this upcoming season, I'm not really concerned. I mean, they have nothing to lose. They're not paying him next season. I could just see them. I mean, Josh McDaniels, he loves to just run that football. I can see them saying, you know, screw it. We're going to run this guy into the ground and not really care about his career and longevity. Um, so as a competitor, not really like too worried about it, but it's just like with running backs in general, you don't see them switch teams and then continually be good. For that reason, I'm going to have to be out on Josh Jacobs after this year. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I was kind of already out on Jacobs before. I felt like, you know, that in-game work that we've always wanted for him, I felt like that was out the door as soon as McDaniel signed over there. Uh, to start coaching he's always just he's come from that patriot system where guys just fit right into the role there's a in between the tackles guy there's a goal line guy and there's a receiving back and I you know things were trending and you know Zamir White fourth round draft pick um, you know split split work back in Georgia so I don't think he's like the you know greatest competition in the world but I do think McDaniel wants to use a bunch of different guys and but I, I kind of see what you're saying, Max. Like, they don't owe him anything next year. They're just going to run this guy into the dirt. I could totally see that. So he could be a sneaky buy low for a competitor. But honestly, you know, I like what you said, too, about running back switching teams and that not really working out. But for him and the situation he's been in, maybe he lands somewhere where he's actually going to catch passes. Like, I, I don't know. That's a lot of speculation in the future. You'd be taking a real shot at that because if it doesn't work out, he's probably – dead in dynasty um being being a running back and being an aging one at that i mean still relatively young right in his prime but i I think his upside is is pretty capped at this point yeah you know i'll uh try to keep it short and brief uh josh jacobs is great if there's a dip i would probably go and buy it i would buy him for a first round pick flat i think i don't think i would essentially buy him for any more than that, given like the murkiness of the backfield at this moment. Um, But if you're a Josh Jacobs holder, please hold. Uh, They're going to run him so hard this season and make sure to keep your eyes out for like beat reporters or anything you hear at a camp, you know, interviews, X, Y, Z, especially with the offensive coordinators and what their kind of game plan is moving forward into this off season. Yeah, I wanted to jump in again real quick. I was trying to get this to pop up when my computer's been running slow. He's 24 years old and 81 days, so he's going to be 24 pretty much all of the next upcoming season. Um, I mean, if he leaves to go find a new team at age 25, 26, 27, that's usually actually the prime of these running backs. We just saw Austin Eckler put up an RB2 season at the age of 26. Uh, We know what Alvin Kamara's done over the past couple years. I mean, the list goes on and on, so... I'm not comparing him to that, but, you know, maybe he lands in the right spot and is a sneaky dynasty buy. Um, as running backs go in this class, I would have him over almost each and every one of them, probably not Brees Hall, but Ken Walker, I'd probably rather have him over that. So, um, you know, if you got like 106, 107, you need a running back or even up to 105, honestly, I would send that over for uh, Jacobs in a heartbeat, depending on your team context. All right, moving on, DeAndre Hopkins suspended for six games for testing positives for PEDs. No wonder the old man's been able to look semi-decent over the last couple of years. 
I am completely out on Hopkins after hearing this. Uh, I think his fantasy value is maybe a second round pick at this point uh, in a 23 class or even in this class. I'm too scared that the PEDs is what kept him on the field, um, especially at his age and kept him that good. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm more worried about Kyler Murray. Honestly, we've seen Kyler Murray stats with DeAndre Hopkins and without I get Hollywood Brown came over there, which we'll talk on here as we segue in. In my mind, I was like, why didn't they trade for A.J. Brown instead of Hollywood Brown? I feel like they could have gotten that a similar trade for A.J. Brown. And that would have just been, I mean, insane uh, from, for A.J. Brown, for Kyler Murray, for everybody there. But Kyler Murray's stats without DeAndre Hopkins are very concerning, and I would definitely be weary of Kyler Murray these first couple games and try to buy low if he starts off slow. Absolutely. I thought maybe you were like, you were just completely out on him in Dynasty. I feel like it's not great to lose DeAndre Hopkins, but he gets his college teammate Marquise Brown, which I'm super jacked about. I've loved Marquise for a long time. And now he's going to be thrust right into the wide receiver one role. Um, And, you know, that team's going to be built on speed and Marquise has it. Rondale has it. Kyler has it. I, I really hope Kyler gets to use those legs a lot more than we've seen uh, over the past couple of years, just because there aren't as many uh, pass options, but you know, uh, we can get into it later. I was going to say this news makes me pretty excited for Trey McBride. I feel like Deandre missing six games. It's just another half step out the door and, you know, 29 years old, going to be 30 soon. I, I just feel like the cliff, you know, we, we knew he was hanging over the cliff last se- last season when he lost his target share now I feel like he's probably free falling over it. So, um, yeah, like Peter said, if you're a competitor, I feel like he's probably worth a 23 second or something like that, just in hopes that he comes back in the second half of the season and catches, you know, a handful of touchdowns and wins you a couple of weeks. But other than that, long term, he's probably dead. Jace, who sings that song? What song? That free falling song. And I'm free, <laughs> free falling. I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that one. That's hop. That's hop right now. He's free falling. All right. Moving forward. Just mentioned earlier, Baltimore has traded Marquise Brown to Arizona for the 100th overall pick and Arizona and the 23rd overall pick in the draft. I've never been a big Marquise Brown fan. I remember it's like right first couple of weeks of the podcast. Uh, we were talking about him uh, after his nuclear game at the start of the season uh, about potentially being like a top 12 dynasty wide receiver asset. If that kind of play kept up, it obviously didn't. Do you think that the heavier passing offense can kind of catapult him back into that conversation? Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I really do. I think with the chemistry that he has with Kyler Murray as well, that Jace alluded to, I mean, he's only 24 years old, which is absolutely crazy. He finishes the wide receiver 22 in PPR. I get he had like an extremely hot start last year and then kind of cooled off. I mean, he really cooled off. He didn't have over double digits the second half of the year, but he's a very talented player. And I think it like we talk about it all the time at Dynasty Fantasy Football, just like the windows, the roller coaster. I mean, there was a time where Marquise Brown was going to quote unquote retire to play professional video games. And now he's traded to the Arizona Cardinals. Like just the, the way things change and the, fantasy football community is crazy and that's just why you got to keep up on it and actually like have passion for your craft you know 
absolutely and it's tom petty who sings that song tom petty yeah okay tom petty max passion for your craft that's right i love that i love that it's a craft it's it's an art form fantasy football is an art it absolutely is um I am just so jacked for Marquise Brown. I was so close for uh, to shipping a late first for Marquise when uh, he was with the Baltimore Ravens. That connection he had with Lamar at the beginning of the season last year was just insanity. Um, you know, I feel like he really took a hit with the backups that came in to replace Lamar. I feel like that was kind of the biggest stock killer for him. Um, but man, if he's going to be the number one over there, with the repertoire that he, he's already built with uh, Kyler back in the day, I'm just super excited for him. And, you know, if I have, you know, 106 or later, I, I'd probably send that over for Marquise. I feel like um, he could kind of end up being their guy in the future. Um, he's shown what he can do. And, you know, as long as he doesn't have butterfingers in the back of the end zone, I feel like a 10, 12 touchdown season with, you know, 1,200 plus yards is it's right there for the taking if he wants it. Yeah, I mean, Jace, you mentioned like 106 or later. I'm really surprised, actually. I haven't seen it go through in our thread yet. Um, I know you have 107. I know Marquise Brown's on the trade block. Have you tried that one out, Tussle the Waters there? I, I haven't yet. I'm, I'm With my team context, I'm trying to stay really young. I have a core group of guys, DJ Moore, T. Higgins, um, guys in that age room. Uh, I mean, I, Marquise is 24, so. I, I guess he fits right in there, but I'm just kind of trying to stay as young as possible. So I'm looking at Chris Olave. I'm not the biggest fan of Olave's, but I feel like he might carry some more um, trade value um, moving forward than Marquise. I don't know how many people are going to be completely bought into Marquise. So that's something that I haven't made happen yet, but on the right day, I, I, I might send it over because I do love Hollywood. And I think he's just dripping with upside, especially in that Cardinals offense. Yeah. Dude, and- and you know what's really cool on sleeper? If you play sleeper, you can put underneath Marquise Brown's name. You can put Hollywood and put a camera roll. Oh, so bro, nice. that might that might be that might be what you need to push it over the edge, Jace. You can put a cool nickname under him. You know, Jace. Like I'm not here to talk you one way or another. I have no dog in this fight whatsoever. Um, but I mean, you look at your receivers: DJ Moore, 25; T. Higgins, 23; Terry McLaurin, 26. The middle age there would be about 24. Uh, Curtis Samuel, or not Curtis Samuel, Cortland Sutton's 26 as well. Like he would really fit into that age. And I feel like you can get a proven asset. He, not that Marquise Brown's like that proven, but with Kylie, with that chemistry for 107, that's a big question mark. Like, yeah, you could get Chris Olave, but Chris Olave is going to take time to pan out. Whereas I feel like you can get Marquise Brown and like try to trade him for more after he explodes, you know, more than what the 107 is worth, honestly. I would agree. I've also been sitting here with the hopes that maybe Jameson Williams falls in my lap because I feel like uh, to the right person, he could fetch a really high price. I mean, some people, um, even after the landing spot, still I've seen him top two in the wide receiver category. So I've kind of just been holding on to that 107 just because we've talked about it before. Those picks keep appreciating in value. Once I get someone with a name on my team, maybe they start producing everyone's minds go crazy. You know, Chris Olave starts out the first three weeks hot, scores uh, touchdowns and puts up a couple hundred yard games. Everyone's going to be like, oh my God, he's an extra Mar Chase. And I could flip it for more than Marquise would be worth. So I don't know. I'm trying to stay as young as possible, but that's definitely a trade like I have in my mind because 
I, I mean, like I said before, I was willing to send out if I had like 108, 109, anything later than that, I was more than willing to ship that for uh, Marquise while he was still a Baltimore Raven with that small passing pie. Um, and honestly, it's as the number two behind Mark Andrews, where now it looks like he's the clear cut number one, unless we see <laughs> Rondale Moore push the rock aside and resurrect himself. So we'll see what happens here. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to touch on it much more than uh, the two of you guys did a really good job. Uh, I know super producer Nixie was uh, taking a look at something. Nick, you want to talk about uh, the stats you saw? Yeah, for sure. I was just looking at something on Twitter and it was just talking about the QB comparison between Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray on their deep ball throws in 2021. And Kyler Murray's uh, rating on throwing deep balls was 111 compared to Lamar's 63 rating. And he also, uh, Kyler had 47% completion on 15.7 yards per attempt. And Lamar was only at 29% completion at 10 yards per attempt. So it's definitely an upgrade from the deep balls perspective. And, you know, he's going to get way more volume in Arizona. Yeah. That's something that I will say the quarterback, I think Lamar is a better quarterback and I, I'm a Lamar truther, uh, especially on this podcast that I've been for a long time, but I think Kyler is a better thrower of the ball. I don't think that there's a question there. Uh, so you know, if he was getting it done week week in, uh, and maybe not week out, but week in uh, out in Baltimore, then I think there's definitely a quarterback upgrade and a target upgrade in that Arizona offense. Five percent. All right, moving on. This was the moment I saw a couple of Eagles fans cry, dead serious. Uh, saw a couple of them shed a tear at the draft in Las Vegas. A.J. Brown uh, is now a Philadelphia Eagle. Jalen Hurts' is best friend. Uh, they've been working out all offseason together. That press conference was something special. Uh, shout out Mario from New Jersey. Huge, huge, huge Eagles fan. I think that the, the Eagles have the best roster in the NFC East at this point now uh, after seeing this as well. I, I really don't see anybody matching them, but again, it is the NFC East, so it'll be somebody you didn't even expect to come out and win it. But how do we feel about AJ Brown? Uh, he's moving from being the ball dominant number one in a run first offense uh, with Derrick Henry, more of like a 50 50 split run pass. Now he's going to this like 65 35 run pass kind of style of offense. The targets are definitely going to go down boys. Targets are going to go down. And I mean, Jalen hurts is a phenomenal fantasy quarterback. Love the rushing upside. But he's just I hater. Mean, what? Hater said what? Sorry, his accuracy. I mean, the guy couldn't throw it. Hater. Hater. Was, uh, right hater. there. Hater. So, I mean, you can call hater. me a hater all you want. The stats prove it. I mean, you look at Devonta Smith. Hater. Was a top 10 draft pick last year. Um, finished as a wide receiver 30 last year in Dynasty or Fantasy. Yeah, I think I think our listeners get it. I'm a hater. Um, like I said, I started off by saying Jalen Hurts is a great fantasy asset. But – to me, it really drops down A.J. Brown probably to that 10 to 12 range of wide receivers. Yeah, I, I love A.J. Brown. Always have been on this podcast. I said he'd be a future Hall of Famer. I don't know about that now, honestly. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, Tennessee Titans last year, a spot that you really wouldn't like to see your wide receiver in. Um, they ran the 26th uh, fewest pass – or they had the 26th fewest pass attempts per game 
Now A.J. Brown is moving squads, and the team he's on was 29th in mm-hmm. pass attempts per game. So that volume's getting even lower, not to mention, you know, he was sharing targets with Julio Jones, and I don't even know over the past few years. No one notable, but now he's got a former first-round pick on the other side of him. And Dallas Goddard, who, mm-hmm. Peter, you love him. Uh, I love him, Dude. too. He's a solid tight end. So Go Dirt. He's, he's washed now, man. Yeah, okay. That's that's the hater take. Peter, that's not a hater take Max, at all. Max, you are the resident Philly hater. You're a Philly oh, hater. Just Peter, to, where are the just targets going to come from? Where are the targets going to go? Just say it. Admit to no. it. You're a Philly hater. Not at all, Peter. Not at all. Because where are the targets going to go for Dallas Goddard? Where is he going to get them? Dude, he's like the ultimate tight end for a quarterback who loves to throw to the tight end. Okay, you just answered my question without answering it. Thank you, Peter. No, like I'm going to defend, I'm going to defend my boys here. Everybody out there knows I'm a Jet fan, but I do live in Philadelphia. I wouldn't say it's a bias. I just say that I, I love looking at the target percentage. Dallas Goddard, I think we saw had like 30% target share last year on passing plays. Oh no, his target share dropped to 25%. What are we going to do? Like he's still a great asset to hold. Dallas Goddard is probably like a top five tight end asset for me at this point, uh, especially in dynasty In dynasty. He's a top five tight end asset. That's crazy. Peter. Who do you have over him? Be honest. He's 27 years old and he's almost as old as Kittle. Okay. I have Kittle over him. I have Pitts over him. I have Mark Andrews over him. Okay. I have TJ Hawkinson over him. I don't have Hawkinson over him. Why? He's three years younger because Hawkinson's had the chance to prove it and hasn't proved it in his first three years in the league. I think Hawkinson's probably got a better chance at receiving more volume that Goddard could. I feel like Goddard's going to be super dependent on the efficiency and honestly a tight end, like if they're going to be a good team because they got AJ Brown, even though the pass will probably smaller, maybe he falls into the end zone a handful more times just because coverage is going the other way. But I I don't know, man. Like, getting back to AJB, he's going to command the largest target share out of all these guys. Like, it's going to be massive. But, Max, like you said, they're Jalen Hurts targets. I don't know how accurate they're going to be. But, hey, a few years ago, Josh Allen was Jalen Hurts, essentially. He was a running quarterback that wasn't accurate other than the deep ball. But but nowadays, you know, know, we see Josh Allen as the – straight up number one quarterback in dynasty redraft, whatever you have it, even over uh, Patty Mahomes, who's a freaking billionaire and has a 10 year contract. Um, I don't know. Maybe we see a big step up from Jalen hurts. I mean, Peter, you talk about a lot. He's a worker. All he wants to do is win. All he's ever done is win. So if we listen again, I don't, I think I might've mentioned it on a podcast earlier. There's a great interview from Kobe Bryant where he talks about following people who are passionate and following and, and believing in people who actually genuinely care. It's like that interview made me like shifted my complete reality. Like if somebody is truly passionate about something, follow them, follow them. Like Jalen Hurts is Absolutely. so passionate about football and about getting better. I'm going to ride his coattails for now. And if he ends up being a bust and can't throw, I'll know it's not because he didn't try. This is I'll, true. Know, hey, I'll know that he put the work in. Absolutely. And, you know, I think there could be a jump there. I mean, like, I felt like he got better all through college. Like we saw him dip and then he came right back um, after he moved schools. And 
I don't know. I, I'm with you. I can't help but believe in the guy. But um, yeah, and I think them trading for A.J. Brown is kind of like a, a sign that they're invested in him for the future. You know, this team made the playoffs without A.J. Brown and a very similar team last year. You know, if they're able to make the playoffs again, maybe move on even further. I feel like Jalen Hurts is their guy for the future, and they're not even going to be competing for any of the quarterbacks in the 23 class, which is like, as we all know, the class. But yeah, it definitely hurts A.J. Brown's stock. I've been trying to buy him low everywhere. He's always been a highly efficient wide receiver off of play action and things like that. So, you know, the pass attempts per game. Um, you know, Philly's going to hold on to that run game. It helped them get to the playoffs last year, but the fact that they went to get A.J. Brown, they have Devonta Smith, they have Dallas Goddard, they have all these guys, they're going to have to air it out more. So I feel like the truth is, you know, they're probably not going to be 29th in pass attempts per game, but I do bet they're, you know, bottom half of the league around 20th or something like that. I just want to defend myself here. I think Jalen Hurts is a phenomenal fantasy quarterback. I would love to have him as my fantasy quarterback because of the rushing upside. In real life, I don't want him throwing a ball in my wide receivers. I really just don't. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather have him throwing the ball than Baker Mayfield. Luckily, the Browns have Deshaun Watson now, um, but he's just – he's not accurate, and he doesn't have enough volume for me to like be like, oh, yeah, like he can sustain. It's not like the Bengals where they get the ball and they run this high-powered offense and they throw the ball to Chase and Higgins and then get Mix in his feed and Tyler Boyd, and they can do it all because Joe Burrow's accurate with his passes. It's Jalen Hurts is going to take five of the passes that he's supposed to throw and run them away. Um, he's going to throw away the other five, and then there's going to be about 15 left to split between three players, and I don't I don't want my guy getting five targets a game. I can understand where you're coming from, uh, and again, the entire offseason is speculation. It is. But something I will say, Mario from New Jersey, again, a good friend of the program, has been talking to me a lot about – the Eagles and we'll wrap up on AJ Brown probably with this point or any rebuttal to it. Coach, coach Nick Sirianni from the Philadelphia Eagles wants to run a more pass heavy offense. Again, it's not going to be that like 65, 35 pass to run, but I think he wants to be maybe 45, 48% pass to that little bit more run that we saw in the first four weeks of the season. The first four weeks, Jalen Hurts was throwing the ball a decent amount. Uh, and, you know, he kind of had his struggles and they took the ball out of his hands like a smart team would that's trying to win games. So if Jalen's able to throw the ball, they will end up throwing the ball. All right. With that being said, we are now going to get into our post NFL draft reactions kind of round table. All right, the eighth overall pick. Uh, this is a part where my heart died a little bit uh, at the draft. Drake London goes to the Falcons. He joins Kyle Pitts, and next year will join Calvin Ridley. Uh, their current quarterback situation is Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati native at Super Producer Nick C. Um, and then beyond that, Marcus Mariota, who will probably get the most starting reps next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy you brought up Ritter. Um, I really love Drake London. I loved him before the draft, coming into the draft. When they got Ritter, I was ecstatic. I know he was a third-round pick, and I know a lot of teams passed on him. I believe in that man like you believe in Jalen Hurts. 
I didn't watch him as much as you watched Jalen Hurts in college. Like you were a big Jalen Hurts fan in college, Peter. I will give there's you that. There's tweets. There's tweets back there in the day about me t- saying he's going to be successful, a Hall of Fame quarterback back when he was in college. There is tweets. When you see a guy get drafted and he's just looking at that camera and just straight face and he's like ready to work and he's like, I'm going to bring this city a Super Bowl. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I know talk is cheap, but with his rushing upside, if he can develop as a passer as well with Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, it could be really scary, man. And I love, love, love it. Old takes exposed. Take it out, man. <laughs> That's going to be like the freezing cold takes. I'm bringing a Super Bowl to this city. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Baker said something like that too to Cleveland fans. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, things change. But, yeah, with Drake London, I mean, the landing spot right off the bat, redraft uh, people, it's not an enticing one. Drake London's probably going to do next to nothing uh, his his freshman year here in, in the NFL. But, I mean, in the future, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, that is going to be the building blocks for the Atlanta Falcons. They are going to just be trying to – absolutely you and don't forget about Auden Tate man that man's huge as well um you know his fantasy stock took a gigantic hit when uh, Drake London was drafted um but yeah as a long-term rebuilder Drake London is just oh my god he would be so beautiful on your roster he's going to be he got the draft capital he's next to Kyle Pitts they have their foundation all they're going to be doing is trying to fill in a quarterback uh, to feed those guys so him, Pitts, they're in great spots. I don't think they take away from each other. If anything, I think they're going to help each other on the field, draw away coverage. They're both hulking guys, and I'm, I'm really excited for London. But, you know, if you're a competitor right now, uh, you know, I wouldn't be expecting much out of him with uh, Mariota Ritter throwing him the ball right away. Yeah, Drake London's got a great skill set for uh, kind of afterburners. You know, he catches the ball and is then able to turn on the the – the Jets route running has a little bit to be desired, um, but he's a big dude as well. So, you know, I feel like there's not going to be a lot of pressure on him in his rookie season, which is important for a lot of developmental pieces. There's, they're not going to ask him to save the franchise. They understand that next year is a rebuilding year. So I think Drake London's going to go in there and have a productive rookie season, given all of the circumstances around him. So are we feeling like Drake London is the first receiver off the board in rookie drafts or it's yes or no? Cause we'll get, I'll ask this question throughout. Yes or no. Do you think that he potentially could be the first receiver off the board in your rookie draft? Potentially. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would he be my first wide receiver off the board? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like to your probably question. Yeah. I don't want to expand too much, but I feel like the difference between him and the guy I would choose is just kind of team context based. If you're closer to going for it, I would go with another guy, but if you're long-term rebuild, he's your man. All right. Super producer next to you. What do you think? Yeah, I think he would probably be my first off the board. I'm actually in a rookie draft right now and he was the first uh, wide receiver off the board. He actually went one Oh two in the, and it's a super flex draft as well. Did Brees Hall go first or Malik Willis? Brees Hall. Uh, Malik Willis surprisingly went 107, which I Whoa. I don't know. I feel like that's way too high on him. But In a super flex draft? Yeah, super wow. flex. Honestly, I, I've been seeing that all over Twitter is like uh, my guy at Dynasty IM. If you do not follow this man on Twitter, you'd have to follow him on Twitter. He is just – 
I mean, the dynasty guru, if he jumped on this podcast, which, you know, hoping to make that connection one day, I will give him a crown instantly. I'm pretty sure all the guys here would as well. He's been talking about it. One quarterback rookie drafts and super flex rookie drafts are looking about the same with quarterback ADP, where it's just the only guy that got the draft capital is Kenny Pickett. (laughs) And he's got baby hands and we weren't that excited for him anyway. So these guys are falling for sure. All right, moving on to the 10th overall pick, Garrett Wilson goes to the New York Jets. I will keep my bias out of it. I was extremely, yeah, for context really quick, I was extremely disappointed that the Jets didn't get London. I think that Wilson will be a better receiver, but I always thought London was a better scheme fit for the Jets. But with that being said, I'm going to check myself at the door, and I will not give advice for this because everybody knows uh, I'm a little bit of of a nut job with my Jets. Peter, I need some enthusiasm, man. Your New York Jets drafted Garrett Wilson, number 10 overall. Let's go. I, I was very excited. Don't get me wrong. I was very excited after the fact. I, I was just di- straight up disappointed London was gone, even through the, the Garrett Wilson pick. I was like, oh, I should have been London. Ah. Uh, and then I got a couple sessions of craps going after. And during that, I kind of came to it. And I was like, you know what? Maybe he, I was I was really happy after. I needed a min- minute to cool down. Good. I'm glad you got that minute to cool down. I was more wanting the energy here on the pod. We need to bring that energy for your Jets pick. You know, I know you are you are a biased fan there, but I, I absolutely love the pick. I think it all really falls on Zach Wilson's shoulders and what he can do um, with the franchise and how he develops the quarterback in his year two and year three. But if he develops and hits like he's supposed to, holy cow, Garrett Wilson is going to be an absolute stud, man. That's about all I really need to say, I feel like. Yeah, Tokyo Drift. He's been the boy for quite go some go time. Go, go, Tokyo. Yeah, go, go, Tokyo. Um, I, I will say over the past few weeks, I've really kind of started to fade him a little bit, um, mostly due to my guy at Dynasty. I am on Twitter. He, like, if you look at his profile and things, it's great, but he might not be as safe as people um, necessarily think. For me personally, I think I would still put Elijah over Garrett Wilson in Dynasty. So that, that, that scares me a little bit. I just think, you know, at the end of the day, it's a short wide receiver core with Garrett Wilson. You were hoping he would just become kind of like a, uh, you know, not necessarily a slot guy, but kind of an intermediate target getter, receive a lot of volume. And I, I think that's going to be Elijah Moore in that offense. And I feel like Garrett Wilson's kind of going to be uh, um, like a shorter version of Terry McLaurin, kind of going down the field, making bigger plays. So uh, volume wise, I, I, I give the edge to Elijah Moore. And for that reason, like if I were, you know, in the top five of my rookie draft, and that's where Garrett Wilson was supposed to go. I'd, I'd trade back and try to get Jameson Williams and or uh, Chris Olave or Sky Moore, one of these guys, and get something pegged on top. Um, you know, I believe in Zach Wilson. I'm really excited for him. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, we're, we're banking on a jump for the next season. A lot of times that, that just doesn't happen. So be careful, tread lightly. My advice would be trade back and then maybe go reinvest in him in a year or two. Yeah, I, I think this is the perfect argument for people saying, like, have your rookie drafts before the draft. Uh, a lot of people get scared off by landing spots and something that we've talked about before. This is the whole Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire argument. I, I think Garrett Wilson has the, the necessary skill set to be an elite separator, despite his size at the next level. I've seen the route running and Believe me, all the Ohio boys out there have seen him play every Saturday for a long time uh, up there at Ohio State. This is myself banking on the talent versus the landing spot. The landing spot is rough. That Jets receiving core, you know, if you told me two years ago it would look like this, I'd tell you 
shut up and you were lying to me. But the Jets receiving core looks looks really good uh, moving into next year. Definitely one of the better ones in the league. I wouldn't say top 10, but more about that 14 to 12 range. And I, I, I'm just going to bank on the talent. I don't know if I would have him as my number one overall receiver. I think if, you know, quote unquote, gun to my head, I think I would rather take London as the number one receiver, despite landing spot. But he is a solid, solid, solid number two. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, um, one, one of our boys, Kevin Kukla, he's been on this podcast, uh, two or three times at this point, he actually has Garrett Wilson as his, as his wide receiver five behind Traylon, Drake London, Jamison Williams, and Chris Olave. So, you know, people have their varying opinions, but I mean, before the draft, like you were talking, he was pretty much everyone's consensus number one wide receiver. So, you know, meet somewhere in the middle, don't overreact to landing spot, think about the prospect himself. And, you know, maybe we see a jump from Zach Wilson and it's bigger than we anticipate. And both of these guys are somehow relevant. So I think uh, one thing that I walked away from this draft thinking is pretty much other than Traylon Burks, who's walking right into an alpha target share, his, you know, first year in the, in the league, a lot of these guys are really better suited for long-term rebuilds. And if I'm a long-term rebuilder, this is just, I'm dripping at the mouth for all these guys because you're going to get a lot of great values because of the landing spots. Um, it's not going to cost you a whole lot because the 23 class is, you know, right down the road. I think this is a great class um, if you're a rebuilder. And Garrett Wilson's a great guy to rebuild around. All right. And again, I'm going to ask the question, can you see this player going, if, you know, if you're a listener out there and you're looking for some advice, do I need to go get the 101 if this is my guy? Do I need to trade up from 103 if this is my guy? Can you see him potentially going 101 or 102 or be quote unquote, be the first wide receiver off the board? If you think that this is your guy and like, you're like, I'm placing my flag at that. I want you to go get your guy. I don't really care what it costs. Go get your guy. If you truly believe in him and in your gut, I want you to go do that. Could it be a possibility? Absolutely. Is he behind Brees Hall and Drake London for me? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll be a 101. Um, I feel like you can, you got a pretty good shot at getting him if you got the 104 or the 105 right now in a one quarterback league. All right, we're going to go to the 12th overall pick in the NFL draft. Jameson Williams, J Mo, uh, goes to the Detroit Lions, who traded up from 32 for him. Big trade up with the Vikings, I believe, correct? Yes, in division. Yeah. In division trade up, huge trade up because they realized he was not going to be there at 13 with the Eagles. Man, if you're the I Vikings, don't know how I feel. Why don't you want to pair that with James or with uh with, with Justin Jefferson? Him and Jameson opposite each other would be it'd be insane. So nasty. So nasty. Why didn't they do that? They, they got a Sorry. decent return, but like they I did, think they but, got oh. what they get, 32, 34, and then like a 90 pick or something. I don't remember, but good lord, like. I don't know. I, that would be hard to turn down for me if I were a Minnesota GM, but sorry, Peter, to cut you off. It was, that, that just it was, hit me in the face. It was really funny. All the Vikings fans were moving towards the front and like kind of pushing their way. And they saw they <laughs> traded the pick. Oh my God. I even one guy was like, had his face painted purple. He had like the, the dreadlocks. He looked like a barbarian. It was hilarious. Oh yeah. Oh, it was so sad. And then when they traded the pick, they all left. Cause then they, they didn't have a first for the rest of the day. So they all just left. And one of the guys was sunburned. He was out all day, beat red in the Nevada heat. For nothing. For nothing. 
<laughs> that aloe probably was was so sour. It just felt so sour on his skin. <laughs> Multiple showers to get the sticky aloe off. Oh right. yeah. I absolutely love the pick, though. I mean, to really like the Detroit Lions, they said, you know, this is our guy. We're going to trade 32, 34, and 66 for him. We're going to go up and we're going to get him. Um, I get it doesn't look that promising this year with Jared Goff and TJ Hawkinson and Swift and Jamal Williams and St. Brown. Like, there's a lot of mouse to feed there that you got Chark there as well. But if you think of the Detroit Lions trajectory and where they will probably be next year, you're looking at. CJ Stroud, Bryce Love, I mean, with St. Brown, Jamison Williams, Swift, Hawkinson, I would go out and invest in Detroit Lions players right now if I'm a rebuild. Absolutely. I'm with you. I I love the landing spot here. Like you said, they're not trying to win anything this year. I mean, Dan Campbell's always going to try to win, but, you know, the higher-ups know where they're at. If they could tank, they'll probably tank. They need to go get one of these top-end quarterbacks. There's going to be a lot of them. I saw my boy from Kentucky, Will Levis, shooting up into the uh, top eight um, of next year's mock draft um, by some people. There, there's a lot of good arms in this class. And the best thing about, you know, the, the Lions not going for it this year is that Jameson Williams can take the time that he needs to recover from this ACL. He's not going to a competitor right away where he's got to rush his rehab and risk re-injury. He can really take his time get his speed back and be that game breaker that we've always thought he could be. And, you know, when he comes back, Jared Goff was enabling Cooper cup and Robert Woods on the same team, as bad as we think he is. It's kind of like a Jameis situation. They're terrible in real life, but they can activate the people in fantasy. So I'm super excited about Jameson Williams. And I was a guy who was kind of fading him, not going to lie, but um, you know, I think Jared Goff can help, you know, kind of, help his route tree out because Jared's not the best deep ball thrower. He has to go intermediate. Maybe we see Williams start to develop that route tree before a real quarterback gets in there. I, I just think he's dripping with upside and, you know, he could be what we wanted Will Fuller to be fully healthy uh, number one target. So uh, I, I'm all here for it. I, I love Jameson Williams. Yeah. JMO. Uh, I was actually on uh, the dynasty fantasy football subreddit the other day I, I'm on there maybe you'll find me but I was talking about am I crazy for thinking that he's my second favorite receiver in this draft behind London not at all no, like I said no. like I said to myself am I a nut job if I had the 102 and wanted to take him at 102 and I had nope. so many people in there saying absolutely not don't like don't overthink it like he'll be back ACL surgery while serious you know, it's not 1960, it's not 1970, 1980, 1990, <laughs> right? We have modern medicine where these guys are able to come back from Achilles injuries. And obviously Cam Akers was an outlier, but have a lot of these players be able to come back and still compete and be really, really, really good. I really think he's my num- wide receiver number two, pure talent wise, take away landing spot. If this was pre-draft, he's my wide receiver number two. Even like I said, for landing spot, I don't mind it one bit, man. Like, I really love JMO. I re- I'm investing in the future. I love St. Brown, too. Like, St. Brown stock took a little hit. We'll talk about him a little later. But go out and buy him. Like, if the owner's panicking, go out and buy him. Like, if he gets Bryce Love or CJ Stroud next year with him going against, like, number two corners, it's over, man. 
All right, I skipped over this one, but we're going to go back. The other Ohio State receiver, Chris Olave, the Saints trade up to number 11 to grab him. Chris Olave to the Saints at number 11. I feel like if Michael Thomas is back and healthy, they have the perfect, you know, Madden where you just run the same play every time. It's going to be the Michael Thomas slant and then the Chris Olave uh, Hail Mary. Every play, every play on offense. And then Alvin Kamara wheel route out of the backfield. Yes, bro. (laughs) Hey, I mean, I love the pick. You know, we saw Ohio State receivers go 10, 11, 12. I know Jamison Williams transferred to Alabama. He played at Ohio State at one point, um, as we uh, have mentioned here. But I love the pick. They went out. They got their guy just as the Vikings and Lions traded. The Saints traded up with, who was it, the Eagles? The the commies, the commanders. That's right. The commanders who ended up getting Dotson, who we'll talk about here soon. They went out, they got their guy. I think he could be a really good counterpart to Michael Thomas. He's a young wide receiver. A lot of people had him ahead of Garrett Wilson. Some people saw him slipping because of his height, stuff like that. I like the talent. I like the landing spot. And I believe in those Ohio State wide receivers. Yeah, I, you know, I think Chris Olave is actually six foot on the nose, which, you know, I, I could be wrong on that. Someone can fact check me, but he always kind of plays shorter, um, if you ask me. But, <clears throat> Great separator. If you're going to talk about, you know, learning from the next great separator at the NFL level, Michael Thomas is a pretty good person to learn from coming from the same alma mater. The landing spots. Fantastic. James is locked in for the next two seasons. That, that team's probably going to go for it. So, you know, they're probably not going to have a t- top 10 pick. Um, for me, Chris Olave is probably the safest guy out of this class, especially because he got that draft capital. But I do think he lacks a lot of wide receiver one, upside I think he's probably going to be a career number two or at least a 1b at that I don't think he's got the number one overall upside or a top 10 wide receiver upside but I do think he's well worth the investment he's going to get targets he's a fantastic separator he's just super solid and I mean the landing spot like I've talked about like we've talked about it you couldn't have asked for anything better with, with Jameis Chuck on the rock he's activated all kinds of fantasy assets over the past few years you know this team, they're probably going to run a lot, play a lot of defense. That's how they're going to win games. But they're going to get behind in a lot of these games, too. And when that happens, it's, hey, we got Jameis. You know, Chris Olave is down there somewhere. So I, I think he's in for a really nice season. I think he's probably going to produce right away. Um, I think he's just really safe. I'm, I got 107. I'm, I'm pretty happy taking him at 107 if he lands there. Yeah, uh, I think Chris Olave definitely has the lowest upside of this entire class. Uh, I don't think that he can be a true wide receiver one in this league. Uh, I think every other receiver that I'm going to mention outside of Dotson really has the potential, uh, like these elite tier guys. I feel like if you, you take him, it's just a meh pick at like 108, 109. Eh, I got, I got a lot of it. Eh. Um, yeah. I, I think he will definitely work better as a two than a one. Uh, so if Michael Thomas is back, I'm in on him for fantasy. If Michael Thomas is not there, run for the Hills. You know, you, you mentioned kind of how it's like a, a map pick. I feel like if the roles were reversed and like these players were getting drafted, like our dynasty teams and like, they could talk, like, obviously they can talk in real life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They, uh-huh. they get drafted to, uh, to PCAT's team and they'd be like, eh, meh, another first round exit. Meh. Uh, I'm just going to sit on the bench. Meh. 
just kind of how I feel, man. I don't yeah, know. the players would be disappointed in this rookie draft because they wouldn't sniff the starting lineup. Yeah, with how deep your team is, just to get bounced first round by me, it's going to be great. Hey, look, man, I'm excited. I'm excited for it. Good. All right, moving on to the number 16 pick, Jahan Dotson. A little reach from the commanders, uh, so they decide to pick him over Traylon, who we'll mention later. Jahan Dotson, who's a list 5'11", probably more on the five foot nine side from what I've seen on tape. He gets selected at 16 overall to counter Terry McLaurin. Again, I, I see him and Olave as similar assets with similar receivers. Terry McLaurin, big physical guy. Again, he can go down the field, but I'll see Terry McLaurin moving more across the middle and easier, easier catches while Dotson is going to be a burner. He reminds me a lot of Elijah Moore. I, again, I watch a lot of Big Ten football. Uh, so he's very quick, very shifty, very twitchy, very twitchy ath- athlete and has oily hips from everything that I've seen uh, is able to stop and turn on a dime. Uh, but I wouldn't put too, too, too much stock into him in your rookie drafts. Don't expect to find a wide receiver one, find maybe a back end wide receiver two. If Terry is getting doubled, like if Terry has a great season, Dotson will have an even better season relative. Yeah, I mean, I know Jace will mention him. Curtis Samuel's also on that team. That's Jace's boy. Um, and they also have Carson Wentz throwing the ball, which to me is just not a really big, bright spot. Hey, Wentz has never had a good receiving core. That's something really, I will really say. Alshon Jeffrey, bro. Dude. What, when he was like 28? <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I don't like Carson Wentz throwing the rock. The one thing I will say about Johan Dotson is that he has probably the best hands in the class. Uh, my boss is a big Penn State fan. I mean, the guy could name like the third string left tackle, and he just raves about Johan Dotson's like hands and how he can catch the ball in traffic and stuff like that. I went, I watched some film on him. Like he can catch the ball, but like Peter said, he's a little small. I don't like when throwing to him. He's not a guy I'm targeting. He owns Piscataway, New Jersey. Did you know that? He's the resident owner of SHI Stadium, Rutgers. Why? Because he just destroys them? Oh, yeah. Every time they play. Every year that they've played over the last couple of years. He, you know, 135 <laughs> yards, two touchdowns. A lot of teams. Like do. clockwork. He's, he's the resident owner of SHI Stadium in uh, Piscataway, New Jersey. I like that. That's you're talking, he invested that, that, that contract. He just got into uh, some, uh, some property right there. But, um. Yeah, Dotson, you know, I think he's really comparable to Terry. You know, Terry played all four years at Ohio State. Dotson played all four years at Penn State. When I watch his film, he's kind of he's kind of a contested catch kind of guy to me. Like, he goes up in traffic a lot, makes a lot of catch, uh, you know, he's got the sticky hands. He's got strong hands. Um, I, I don't know. For me, I felt like this was the biggest reach of the draft. I was scratching my head after this one there were plenty of wide receivers to go in the second, third, fourth round. And I, you know, Dotson, I feel like you could get outproduced by all those guys. So I'm not excited for it other than the value is going to be ridiculous. You're probably going to get a first round wide receiver in your early second round of rookie drafts, which is, that's always nice. You want to bank on what the NFL guys think. They probably know more than us uh, more often than not, but I, I, I think a lot of people are this, scares them off of Terry McLaurin. I think Terry finally needed some help over there and he's finally going to get it. Um, he's been double covered on a bad team for a long time. Teams know they're going to be down and their only option is Terry. So I, I think this helps free up Terry a little bit, but Max, you're right. 
Carson Wentz, he's not that exciting, but he is a significant upgrade over Taylor Heineke or any of the guys he's had throwing him the ball recently. So I don't know, Dotson, I think he's just going to be a great value, but I'm not banking on much more than wide receiver two upside in fantasy. I'm not that excited to draft him. Yeah, I'll keep it brief here. Dotson, quick guy, reminds me, shades of Elijah Moore out of college, very similar archetype wide receivers. But again, there's reasons to talk yourself into him. There's reasons to talk yourself out of them. If you're sitting at that 108, 109, 110, uh, not 110, 110 kind of range, hey, why not take a flyer on a guy? Why not? Uh, Especially in that range. But I wouldn't be enthused to take him in that spot. Uh, Moving up next, we have uh, Jace's guy. I'll let Jace just take it from here at the 18th overall pick. Peter, don't sound too enthusiastic. (laughs) Yo, Traylon, man, Traylon, woo, as Max likes to call him. You know, this guy, I think he is just straight up the 101 in Dynasty rookie drafts, unless you desperately need a running back. Take your Brees Hall, but, I mean, this dude is going to step right into an alpha target share doing exactly what he does best, which is just catching the ball off a play action or just getting the ball in his hands in general and running and letting his speed and uh, size do all the work, so. You know, they traded A.J. Brown for that pick, his comps, Traylon's, that is, Traylon's comps coming out of college for A.J. Brown mixed with uh, Flash Gordon. And, you know, everything was always mixed with A.J. Brown. So this guy was lining up in the backfield. He was lining up in the slot. I think he's definitely raw. It might take him a little bit of time to develop. But, I mean, if I'm a competitor and I could get my hands on him, I think he's going to be one of those back half producers once he figures it out. He's just going to be a monster um, catching the ball off of that Derrick Henry uh, run game, that play action. I, I think he's just going to be catching the ball and running all over the field, running over guys. And I, I really love the landing spot with Mike Rabel being the head coach. Mike Rabel's all about, you know, Dan Campbell's about biting kneecaps. Mike Rabel's all about smashing skulls. That guy is as rough as they come. He teaches his team to be that. Um, you know, we've seen it over the years with Derrick Henry just plowing into people. I think Traylon's a perfect fit, but he does have a lot to live up to. Mentally, uh, in the news, he's got to live up to replacing A.J. Brown. That can hurt a player in the long run. That's the only thing I'm worried about, but I'm not overthinking it. This dude was my number one coming out of college, and with this landing spot, with this target share he's going to see, he's easily my 101 for any kind of rebuilder or a competitor that doesn't need a running back. Yeah, you know, this kind of move, it just kind of makes me think of why take the proven asset when you can have a mystery box? I think that's what Tennessee did. They said, you know, why continue to trust AJ Brown when we can just risk it all for Traylon Wu? And I respect it. I love trading known assets for question marks. I mean, I'm trying to go out there and get draft picks, stuff like that, but it's a little head scratching. I mean, you're, you're really banking on that. This guy is going to be like AJ Brown. I don't know if they're going into the rebuild, I like Malik Willis there in the third round. We won't get to him today. Derrick Henry's getting another year older. It's just kind of a weird team concept where they're at right now, honestly. So I'm, I'm going to pass it to Nixie, who I think has got some uh, crazy insight on this guy. Yeah, I just one thing I feel like you have to contextualize with the A.J. Brown trade is you have to throw in about A.J. Brown getting paid and he like he signed a four-year hundred million dollar contract with 57 mil guaranteed like immediately after the trade went through so you can tell Tennessee did just didn't want to pull the trigger on that amount of money so they got 
a similar, I'm not saying they're the same player, but similar build player, but extremely a hundred million dollars cheaper. I mean, so I think that's something that is important to know. Definitely. Well, he's not free, Nixie. He's not free. Pretty close to it. Pretty close to it. (laughs) Yeah. As compared to a hundred (laughs) million. Hey, look, um, Traylon, I think it's going to be a a good amount of growing pains this season uh, for him. The Titans, uh, I'm just really at a loss for words with the pick, to be honest. I think it's a good pick for the organization if they weren't going to pay A.J. Brown. But it takes a very, very, very talented player to fill those shoes. I'm not saying that he is going to. I'm not saying that they expect him to fully fill those shoes but it's going to be a rookie wide receiver forced to be the number one target on that offense. You saw it last year with Devonta Smith in a more run heavy offense. He finishes a wide receiver 30. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a typically great asset for competitive rosters. Maybe he's a flex spot, you know, week to week flex based on a matchup, but long-term long-term dynasty, I can see him being good. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, in redraft, I'm not projecting him top 15 or even top 24. I mean, I think he's going to finish top 24. But even if he's fringy, I'm just thinking about the week to week upside. I mean, this man, if he catches the open field off of play action, and he's on the uh, on the wrong side of the 10. He's got 90 yards to go. I mean, he's got that ability. I know he ran a four five five at the combine, but me as an ex-baseball player who made it to the college level, I did a ton of showcases. And, you know, it's just one day. And it always it doesn't always reflect the full body's work. And, you know, running with the pads on against other defenders, game speed is a lot different than running in your underwear 40 yards in a straight line. I think that's the only reason people have come to fade him at this point, that and the cone drill, just kind of a mediocre combine. But on the field, if you're ever doubting him, go take a look at his film because – he dominated every phase of the game he needed to in the toughest conference in football. So, I mean, it's all right there for him. So if he's going to flop and fall on his face, he, I mean, it's going to be drastic and it's because he sucks and I just don't think he sucks. So I think he's going to end up panning out and uh, he's been my first, I mean, Drake was my first love, but my overall dynasty wide receiver love has been focused on trail on for quite some time. So I just jacked up. I'm probably not going to get him in my most important league, it hurts a lot, but uh, I think he's going to be great. All right, moving on, we have – I believe we're going to go over three more players uh, and then call it an episode. The rest of these guys we will mention probably at the end of next episode, just a yes, we like them, or no, we don't think we like them, You know, just really quickly to, to go through them because there's a lot of skill position players and a lot of, a lot of rookies that were drafted this year uh, at those skill positions that have some kind of impacts – but we're going to do two running backs and one receiver. This receiver, I think, needs a lot of attention. Christian Watson to the Packers. I am extremely nervous that this guy is going to slip to like, 10, uh, like 109, 110, and a competitor is going to get him, and it's going to screw me in our Mike Vrabel League this year. I can see him, honestly, with that offense and that kind of system – I can see him finishing as a top 24 wide receiver just in his rookie year. I don't know, but I could also see him just flopping on his face. This is true as well. <laughs> I mean, it, the, his Raz, his Raz is too high. His raw athletic score is too high for him to flop on his face. I think, I think 
the worst case scenario, he has a bad rookie year, not a great rookie year. I think everyone's like thinking, you know, I think he's shooting up in draft boards, to be quite honest with you. I don't think he would last to 109 personally, but I think everyone's thinking, oh, Devontae's gone. They didn't add any wide receivers. He was their first wide receiver taken at 30, whatever it was, 34. 34, yeah. I mean, first pick in the second round, right? Isn't that right? No, second pick. Second pick. Second like, pick, okay. they traded up to get him, right? Or no? Hey, right? man, that's a great, that's a great pick. Second pick, that was almost. also T. Higgins. Dude, absolutely. Almost a first rounder at that point. Eh? It's, 34 was T. Higgins. And last oh, year, no, that was 36. No, that might have been 30. That might have been 34, actually. Let me take a look. I think it was 34, Peter. Anywho, we digress here at the Digressing Monarchy podcast here. But I, I, I think he the range of outcomes is so big. I'm not touching him. I mean, we'll talk on it in my trade corner, what I'm planning on doing with a lot of these guys. He was 34 as well. Elijah Moore was 34 year before Mm. it was uh, T Higgins. And now this year, Christian Watson, maybe Mm. we got a trend going on. All right. Well, the trend Mm. helps me out. There's also a trend that Jay sent that he can go over um, of second round wide receivers taken and like what they've done over the time, which I thought was a very interesting stat. Um, but I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not too high on the Christian Watson. I get his landing spot was great, but he's kind of just like him and Sky Moore. I, I'm not touching either of them. Yeah. I mean, Christian Watson, I was Max. I don't really think you knew too much about him. And one day I was taking a walk. You and I started talking about him, texting about him. And at that point in time, I was like, dude, this guy is like, can't miss. He's so good. Just give him my test. He's a freak. But I don't know, man, like he's coming out as a senior, not coming out of a tough conference or anything like that. I've started to fade him just because him receiving the ball from Aaron Rodgers, his athleticism, it all just seems too good to be true. And a lot of analysts that I trust, they they really see him finishing, uh, filling in for MBS um, in kind of a deep ball athletic role, go get the ball. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know how to feel about this guy. He's super polarizing. I mean, if people are going to be bought in on him, he'll probably end up being the top five pick in one quarterback rookie league. And that's, I don't know. I don't know if I'm willing to spend that on him. I, if he, if he hits, he'll be the best wide receiver in this class. He'll be a top five dynasty wide receiver. He'll be everything we want him to be. But if he falls on his face, which is a possibility, he will be Nike Harry. And that he's sitting on my Mike Vrabel dynasty roster. Let me tell you something. Nike Harry looks terrible sitting on my taxi squad i hate it every day i want to drop him uh, but you just can't he's a roster clogger so hopefully that's not what he turns into um i would take sky Moore over him at least sky Moore's coming out as a junior he's tied to patrick mahomes who's locked in for like i said almost uh, nine years at this point 10 years whatever it is aaron Rodgers, he's got a year-to-year contract he could be gone as soon as next year if he wanted to be and if that happens who is Christian Watson at that point? So it, there's a lot of risk. Yeah. Christian Watson for me, man, uh, I don't know. His his Raz is insane uh, from everything that we've seen. He's six, I think he's 6'4", and he runs like a 4'5", four, four, 40. Yeah. Uh, so we know he's quick. We know he's quick, and we know he's tall. And Max, I know another quick and tall receiver that you particularly love that was taken in the second round. 
you know, later second round, he had the the luxury of playing with uh, Hall of Fame quarterback Russell Wilson. He'll be a Seahawk for life. DK Metcalf. There's there's none like DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf <laughs> went to Ole Miss. He played in the SEC. Christian Watson played at North Dakota State. Played at some weaker level competition, and I just I don't see the comparison, honestly. I'm just saying there, there's some strings we can we can sure. attach. I think you see Aaron Rodgers as a new number one weapon. Yes. And he is going to be fed the ball. That's all I need. We've talked ad nauseum on this podcast about opportunity. He is going to have the opportunity to be a great receiver. I will bank on opportunity 10 times out of 10. Um, Can you potentially see over the next, you know, let's say rookie drafts are in a month from now. Can you see him sliding into the top three or maybe even being the number one receiver off the board? No. You don't think that the yeah, hype can get him. too high? Uh, not I, I don't one, think no. it can get that high. I would love to be in leagues for Christian Watson going 101, man. <laughs> yeah, let me get Traylon at 107. I've been trying to manifest that for quite <laughs> some time. But, you know, I will say the Packers traded up to get him. They took him over Sky Moore and David Bell, all these guys. They took their shot on him, and they've been mad successful with hitting second-round wide receivers uh, over their however long they've been around. I mean, Greg Jennings, I believe, was a second-rounder. Devontae was a second-rounder. All kinds – Randall Cobb was a second-rounder, and we – you know, he's old now. Jordy was a second-rounder. Nick C, thank you for throwing that in there. I mean, they have drilled their second-round picks. So, if he's just the latest to hit, I mean, if you if you count yourself out on this guy and you don't draft him and he hits – he will be the biggest regret of your life because this guy watches film. If you haven't, holy schmoly, is he athletic and fast? Like it's crazy. Actually, Max and I were talking that one day. I'm like, yeah, this dude ran a four, three, eight. He's this fast. Yada, yada, yada. Oh, also don't forget. He's six, three, 200 plus pounds. Like this dude's a beast. So if he hits, he's going to hit, but if he whiffs, he's going to whiff hard. All right, moving into the running backs, the New York Jets, my New York Jets. It's like Brees Hall at 36, rip Michael Carter owners. Uh, that one hurt really bad, really, really, really bad. Uh, the Jets even traded up for him, so that's what I'll say about how they feel about Brees Hall. Again, going to leave my fandom at the door and, and let you guys start it off. Brees Hall is my 101 in single quarterback leagues and super flex. I get we've talked about it at nauseum on the podcast of how running backs are a luxury to come by Brees Hall. Peter, do you know Brees Hall's age? How old is he? 20. He's 20 years old. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to double check that real quick here. Um, but it, it, it's just, it's absolutely crazy that he's, he's 20 years old. He's six, one, He's going to get the goal line work. We talked about the New York jets and how they're an improving offense. They have the wide receiver weapons to take eyes off him. They can't be stuck in the box. They have a good offensive line. They're in a pretty decent to bad division his birthday is may 31st 2001 like that is crazy 2001 oh my god 21 at the end of this month and that is so young for a running back and they drafted a they traded up like peter said i mean everything is really pointing in the right direction other if michael carter wasn't there oh man i mean he would be higher than if michael carter if michael carter wasn't there he'd get He'd get picked up before the one on one. Yeah, It'd, like shoot. somebody would find a way to like like break the website, <laughs> Honestly, and throw them on their team. And then, fun fact for you guys: 
How old is Najee Harris, who was drafted just last year? 24. Correct, Peter. Yeah, 24, 24 years He's old. the same age as Josh Jacobs. That is crazy to me. I would rather take the 20-year-old Brees Hall. I get he's on the Jets, Running but the red. Jets are up and coming and a great offensive line. Dude, the, the yeah. line, the, they got going on the trenches, man. The Jets got going on the trenches. If Becton's able to come back healthy, he's going to be slotted in at right tackle. That's a guy who's six foot eight, like almost 365 pounds, uh, who runs like lightning. The guy's a freak. Don't get me like, he's your run blocking tackle, right? And then you get Lakin Tomlinson, who was the all pro left guard last year. It's going to be slotted in at left guard. And then Elijah Vera Tucker, who was all rookie left guard last year, is going to get slotted in at right guard. Like, that offensive line is just going to be absolutely absurd. And who would have thought this only two years ago from the jets? Like I, I, I don't want to say I feel bad, um, but like Peter, I know you love the jets, but there's going to time, there's going to be a time and place where that comes that you have to decide between which jet you want on your roster, whether it's, I can't have them all. You can't have them all. Whether it's Brees Hall, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, like you could probably only have one of these guys. I want Elijah. No, Elijah. I can see it. I can see it now. Zach Wilson, quarterback, Brees Hall, Michael Carter, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, CJ Uzama, Corey Davis at flex. (laughs) Yeah, Corey Davis. I can see the all Jets roster. I can see it in the future for sure. I I love Elijah Moore, but I would not take him overall. He would probably be the last guy I take out of all those players, honestly. That's such clownery. You're trying to inception me. You're trying to inception me. Peter, why would I not take the 20-year-old running back? Dude, you can take the 20-year-old running back. I'd rather have Elijah Elijah Moore Moore over Garrett Wilson. Elijah Moore is very young and broke out at a very young age. I'm still very much in love with Elijah Moore. If you don't have any Jets fans in your leagues, unfortunately, we play with Peter in a lot of our leagues. We're never going to get our sweaty palms on Elijah Moore. <laughs> Go get Elijah Moore right now. If you could flip him for anything in the back of the first, I would easily do that. I mean, even in the middle of the first, I would still consider Elijah Moore. I love him as a dynasty asset. But, you know, Brees Hall, gives the, the Jets right now are giving me a lot of Browns vibes that, you yeah. know, they uh, heading into those few years prior to them making the playoffs with Baker. Um, you know, and, you know, Nick Chubb wasn't like the biggest name coming out of draft. He was drafted with the 35th overall pick kind of went, you know, sleeper mode. He was a good prospect hurt towards ACL played with Sony Michelle, shared the workload. Brees Hall, 36th overall, very close to where Nick Chubb went. They were already giving me similar vibes. I mean, if this dude breaks out, he's going to be awesome. The only downside though, Michael Carter, I don't think he's dead completely because what he did in the receiving game was nothing short of amazing. The dude was highly efficient, amazing with the rock. Even when he was running between the tackles, the dude runs with juice. He runs hard. Doesn't get tackled. You know, doesn't get tackled on the first hit. No, I I, I think uh, Brees Hall is going to produce immediately. He won't be the top end talent necessarily. Um, But I think him, Michael Carter, great investments in the Shanahan system um, with Bob Sala over there. Uh, running things coming over from the 49ers a couple years ago. They they use a lot of guys. And when guys get hurt, uh, they stick to one guy if it's like the next man up. So Michael Carter, if people are fading him as well, he is well worth an early second. Um, he's going to be one of the better handcuffs in the league for sure. Up there with probably Tony Pollard and A.J. Dillon, which are guys that Max knows all too well. I love them to death. So yeah. I, I still love Michael Carter. 
Yeah, when uh, here's my completely unopinionated Jets take, and this is on Michael Carter opinionated as well because I do own him. A couple Jets beat reporters think what you want about the beat reporters talking about football games in September and uh, May now, but apparently the Jets are going to try to do a split backfield kind of like Javonta Williams and Melvin Gordon, but make it a little bit more heavy towards Brees so that Michael Carter can be the third down back and get a lot of the receiving work. So in PPR leagues, Michael Carter's hundred percent a stash. Don't, don't panic sell for a third round pick or a second round pick right now. The dream of a Michael Carter three down back is dead. Uh, he, he looked incredible last year and I was really excited for that this upcoming season, but, Same. but uh, you know what? We can't have all of our dreams come true. Only a few of them. Um, and absolutely. I, I think he's worth multiple seconds still, Michael Carter. I mean, I, I view him right up there with Pollard and Dylan, um, guys that I was able to get for early, an early second and another second, another class. Those handcuffs, uh, they're worth a lot, man, especially in that 49er Shanahan system where they like to feed guys with a young ascending team. I, I really want all these guys on my roster. I don't want to start them all like I was talking about earlier, but these guys, all these Jets, are they're good investments. And that I see a slight smile on Peter's face for that, for sure. You know, we don't have to reiterate everything that all of these dynasty analysts are saying. Brees Hall is an absolute maniac. He's got under 4-4 speed as well. I think he was a 4-3-8 guy. Or maybe even 4-3-6 at the combine. Just a really efficient runner. He runs over guys. He has, he has not played in a football game where he has not scored a touchdown since 2019. Jesus. It's only Good been Lord, like two man. years. It's what 2022 score, like 42 touchdowns or something like that 42 over the past two years or something like that yeah That's something I mean. insane so yeah we will see how it ends up working and again this is the shanahan 49ers type system so there is a little bit of risk with him not getting a lot of a lot a lot of work maybe 50 percent work but who knows uh, moving on to the last person we're going to talk about is Kenneth Walker. He went 41st in the draft to the Seattle Seahawks as the resident Rashad Penny owner. I'm very upset. I mean, did you expect Rashad Penny to keep his job after he's had the job for like three years and hasn't done boopkiss with it? Like, Hey man, he had a great, great, great end of the season. Yeah. The 26 year old Rashad Penny, who's been hurt for the past four years, had a good couple games. I mean, Peter, <laughs> I, I didn't expect much, but I'm not that high on Kenneth Walker, just to be completely honest, completely blunt. I mean, the Seahawks, Kenneth Walker is not a pass catching running back, as we discussed. Nope. Um, the Seahawks are going to be playing behind a lot. They're going to have to be throwing the ball. There's still Chris Carson. There's still Rashad Penny there. And that offensive line, it's not just magically fixed overnight. So when you combine all those factors, I'd rather have most of these receivers over Kenneth Walker. I think Kenneth Walker is going to go up the board based on scarcity in the position of running back. But man, give me like every wide receiver over Kenneth Walker. I'm a thousand percent with you. I mean, Kenneth Walker, I wouldn't touch him with a 10 foot pole. I know he was nice coming out of college, highly prolific. But like you said, he doesn't catch passes and he's going to be on a bad team. That screams game script dependency to me. We talked about how we don't like Josh Jacobs because of that. And I think Josh Jacobs is the way better prospect. So honestly, Coming out of the draft, if you end up with Kenneth Walker on your squad, he'll probably go top four because of positional scarcity in a one-quarterback league. 
I would be trying to downgrade from him to like AJ Dillon and see how much I can get on top because at the end of the day, they're almost the same to me. I mean, uh, Dillon's going to be on a better team, but he's an in-between the tackles runner. Walker's a in-between the tackles runner on a bad team. I could see them leveling out um, and maybe an injury goes Dillon's way. And I, I don't know. I just miss me with the non-pass catching running backs, honestly. Like unless it's Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry, I don't want any of them. Yeah, uh, I'm a little bit nervous. A little bit nervous. I did like the uh, Charles Cross selection. He's a he's a very 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 large human being. Um, very large. But something I will say, Kenneth Walker didn't get a lot of receiving work in college. Not because he couldn't, but just because that was the system. Uh, and I think a lot of people are overreacting at the fact that he quote unquote can't pass catch. It was the system that they run at Michigan State for the most part. I think he's a really athletic, dynamic back. He has all the rights in the world to be the second running back off the board. But I would rather take – I feel like Jahan Dotson is the breaking point. I'd rather have Dotson. And then after Dotson goes, I'd rather take Walker. I think that's yeah, fair. And I, I'm with you on that. I'll always take the wide receivers, especially over Kenneth Walker with the way I think he's going to pan out. But, you know, I think his biggest thing, too, he can't pass block. He can't he can't pass protect. And that, on the NFL level, that is going to keep you off the field 100%. And on top of that, Drew Locke has never been a guy to check it down. We know Drew Locke for what he is. If he's getting rushed in the pocket, things are breaking down. He's not checking it down. He's chucking it up. That's what he does. He's trying to make, you know, He's going for the million-dollar throw. He's going for the jackpot. He is not going for five yards, and then we get closer to the sticks to go for third down. Like, he is going for pick or a touchdown. So, I I don't see it at all. Kenneth Walker is a – he is on my do-not draft list. And, honestly, Jamar Chase was on my do-not draft list uh, last year. So, you know, with that trend going, Kenneth Walker is probably going to be the best uh, person out of this class. So, Nixie, uh, let, let's hear what you got to say, my friend. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, um, but to Peter's point, like he wasn't in a system in college where they were really uh, passing to their running backs a whole lot, but the situation doesn't get much better in Seattle. I think they were like a bot in the bottom quarter of the league in targets to running backs. So if you're thinking that he's going to get these magical pass attempts from the running back position in Seattle, I just, I just don't see it. So I'm kind of feeling the same way as you guys. Even when Penny was breaking out, you know, we still tr saw Travis Homer and DJ Dallas, all these guys stepping onto the field. And, you know, that was Rashad Penny. They're, I mean, the guy that they've been waiting on for a long time, finally showing, doing what he was promised or what he promised to the Seattle Seahawks organization. And they still yanked him off the field for other people to catch the ball. So they have no problem using multiple backs. I just, it's, I, if he's going to finish, in the top 24, top 15, it's all going to be based on goal line touchdowns. I think I, that or breakaway long runs. I don't think he's going to get, I don't think he's going to have enough efficiency between the twenties to get it done for your fantasy team. Yeah. So we will see with Kenneth Walker. I'm not going to stand on the table and pound for him, but I think he's at least worth a flyer in the late first, uh, given this scenario. 100%. Uh, and again, Receiver, 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 dynasty fantasy football is all about receivers because they have that longevity. 
And especially if they're super young, that longevity is going to last even longer that, you know, that's how the world works. If you're young, you're young for longer. So Max, let's hear it. Yeah. I like that. It's, it's kind of like trading a proven asset for a mystery box. Cause I like that logic more though. You know, if you're young, you're young, but you know, just moving into the trade corner here, I wanted to touch on the Waddle giveaway that we are doing. Um, we are doing a Waddle giveaway, Peter, take it away. We're doing a signed Jalen Waddle jersey giveaway. We're really excited about it over here at the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. We got it from Pristine Auction, our friends at Pristine Auction. Incredible, incredible place. But it's a signed Jalen Waddle jersey giveaway. We are doing it on our Twitter account. And Max, before I plug the Twitter, what color is the jersey? It's that aqua teal color jersey. And we're giving it away on May 17th because Jalen Waddle is number 17, baby. And that leaves... 14 days to enter two weeks from today to get your votes in. And if you are still listening to the podcast right now, I got an Easter egg last week. I'm doing another one this week. If you're still listening to the podcast right now, you're going to DM us your favorite Cincinnati Bearcat football player. It could be past, present or future. And you're going to get 15 extra entries. So if you DM us a picture of Travis Kelsey or Desmond Ritter, 15 entries you can't dm us a picture of both and get 30 but <laughs> you do this you'll dm us you'll get an extra entry so we just want to give back to our fans we want to see who's listening and this is a good way to do it yeah we have it on the twitter currently at dynasty monarchy over on twitter nixie's still doing a great job over there uh with keeping relevant advice polls xyz but what you're going to do is you're going to go to the giveaway you're going to retweet it and then follow the instructions there if you want extra entries on top. So again, it's at Dynasty Monarchy. Go give us a follow uh, and retweet the giveaway if you'd like a signed Jalen Waddle jersey. And uh, Our, we, we did just hit 500 followers on, uh, I want to say LinkedIn, but we're on Twitter. 500 followers on Twitter, absolutely huge. Major shout out to Nixie. When he came on, we had about 40 followers on Twitter. He's grown the pod over 10 times i mean what he's been able to do on twitter and that platform has been absolutely incredible so i know i'm very grateful for you nixie i know peter is i know jace is um and i know the whole community is because we are just scratching the surface of what we can do and i'm sure by this time next year i think we'll be at another 10 times the followers i really think we'll be at five bang bang absolutely and uh you know, your favorite Bearcat could be Mr. Nixie himself, Mr. Super Producer Nixie. Shout out to him. Just graduated from University of Cincinnati. Just sent us an, an electric video of him flexing on the cameras at graduation saying, let's go. My man got the diploma. He got the piece of paper. He got the foot in the door for his next job. Let's freaking go. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Um, appreciate the love and definitely appreciate the love from everyone that followed the Twitter. I mean, we don't just get 500 followers overnight. It's all because of you guys listening and uh, interacting with us on Twitter, try to be a resource for you guys. So uh, definitely appreciate the 500. It's a good, uh, good mark to hit, but like Max said, we're going to the moon, baby. So let's get it. Job all right. Done. All right. We're going to get into Max's trade corner. Yep. Here we go real quick. Before we get into the trade corner, I want to start with a pop quiz for the class. Um, so I'm going to ask you guys, this is a really quick question. You just tell me the first name that comes to your mind for both answers. And uh, I'm going to start with uh, Peter because that's who I love to pick on the most. Yes, and Peter, 
from the NFL players currently in this year's draft, who would you say, not in this year's draft, in the NFL, like that have been in the league, who would you say took the biggest hit to their stock? And who would you say had the best like rise after the draft? Current NFL players. I think a guy who took a big hit to his stock was Terry McLaurin, uh, okay. even more so than AJB. Uh, I think Terry was slated to have a lot of targets come his way. Now I think a lot less. Uh, Wentz has had success with a 50-50 ball guy and Alshon before, but again, it's Carson Wentz throwing him the ball. So he was already, you know, kind of decently in the middle, but now after getting Dotson, who's going to be more of a, a mid-game receiver, I think Terry's going to be pushed down the field a little bit more. And who, who rose the most on your board? Uh, I hate to say this and give Jace validation, but Trey Long rose the most on my board yeah. from any player in the NFL uh, during the draft. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pass it to, uh, to Jace. Yeah, my biggest follower has got to be Devonta Smith, former first-round pick. We thought he was going to be the number one target over there in Philly. I'm sorry, he's not competing with A.J. Brown. He's slotting as a career number two man, depending on if he re-signs a contract after his rookie deal. I, I think that's a tremendous hit. I was, I mean, prior to this trade, I would have been more than willing to send a top, you know, seven pick, top five pick for this guy. I mean, he was electric coming out of college, had everything we wanted. And sorry to say, A.J. Brown's just bigger and better, and he's there to, he's there to stay with $100 million over four years. Um, so he's my biggest follower, 100%. My biggest riser is Marquise Brown, baby. Uh, we talked about him earlier in the podcast. I just, that old college connection, I just absolutely love it. And I'd love to throw in Trey McBride too. Peter, you, you know, you had me sold. I mean, you didn't have me sold on Trey McBride earlier. I was thinking, ah, this guy, you know, I know he did well in college. I just don't see it for him. But, you know, I, I reached out to Nick C the other day. I was scared to give you guys this information. Uh, you know, but you guys aren't ahead of me in our uh, main league draft to snipe me or anything. I got the 203. I am just begging that Trey McBride falls to me there. I see it all for him there. Max Williams, Zach Gertz, we've seen all these tight ends in Arizona become relevant the past couple of years in that Cliff Kingsbury system with Kyler Murray. Trey McBride, I mean, Zach Reeder was on here the other day. Shades of Travis Kelsey. I, I think it's going to, it could be him and Pitts at the top not too uh, far down the road from now, especially with D hop missing time at, you know, in his mid 29 age 30 season. I love him slotting as the number two target there in Arizona for the future. And um, I think he jumps up quite a bit, especially at the, after the D hop news. Sure. Hands, sure. Hands, sure. Hands. And man, I rewatched this tape the other day. It's so fun. It's so fun. He is just stiff arming everyone to the ground. Such a beast. He's got the motor. I, I'm obsessed with him. I would take him at the back end of the first prior to the draft. I wouldn't have said that, especially prior to the D-hop uh, suspension. I, I probably wouldn't have said that. But if I got like a 111, 112 in a quarterback, one quarterback league, I'm good at running back and wide receiver. Give me Trey McBride. I told you on he's the taxi sliding for, Been dude, saying I, that. I would take him in the first for sure. I, I tip my cap to you. I was wrong on that. I would take him in the back end of the first. Yeah. I love to hear fellow monarchs respecting other fellow monarchs opinions. Um, I love to hear fellow monarchs just giving away free information. Like it's just nothing. I mean, Jace just told me who he's taking at two Oh three. So my golden hey, is David Bell's there. Watch out. I'm sure, a, that's sure. going to be a tough one for me. Yeah. But I mean, now my goal is to go get two Oh one, two Oh two, really try to hold that over his head. Um, just to, I knew it. I knew it. Nixie, I texted you. The See, there's day. no trust tree. There's the trust tree is dead in here. 
There's no trust tree, Jace. I'm I literally texted Nick C. I was like, dude, I, I was going to put this in the group chat, but I can't because Max especially is going to snipe me if I let this information out. Here I am, open to my mouth. I've had a couple kilt lifters out here on the West Coast. Great beer if you have the chance to try it. I'm out here just, you know, letting everything fly out of my mouth and now I'm going to get sniped. So, it, it, you, you know, know you not a great ending to the episode. The fans an important lesson and we talked about this you got to keep your cards close to your chest um i don't know what i'm going to do if i'm going to snipe you i have kittle i have Komet, i have albert O. am pretty set yeah on you're, good. you're good you're um, good you have kyle pitts so i don't really want to hear that i'm good because i'm also you, good yeah I'm also you're good. also good too could be uh, better could. could be better nixie just before we, we really get into it i only have like one piece to bring up in the trade corner but i wanted to hear your biggest riser and faller uh post draft don't tell him anything. You heard you, he literally just divulged his evil plan. I, I don't know. I'm going to go with one that might be a little less obvious. So I'm just going to stick in Buffalo. I would say for me, Singletary, Devin Singletary is probably my biggest Ooh. faller, even though like he wasn't super high to begin with, but people maybe had a little glimmer of hope coming off of the postseason run they had that he was going to get this RB1 role going in. All he had to do was dodge the draft. But he didn't dodge the draft. So now I think that he's worthless, like totally falls, maybe even, maybe even out of roster ability, depending on how this next guy that I'm going to bring up plays. But then I would say the biggest riser is James cook for me, because for me, this guy, like, I think he was mocked before the NFL draft happened around like mid second, maybe even third round sometimes, but now I'm seeing people post screenshots on Twitter of him going like 106 and super flex drafts. Even uh, there was one, one tweet that I saw that someone took him 101 in a dra- in a rookie draft. So I, you know, the hype is super high on, on uh, James Cook just because of the landing spot, but it's Bro, too rich it's for me. Man. Brother. Yeah, that's why the hype's big is because his last name's Cook. I yeah, had yeah, that a, sounds like a Buffalo Bills only rookie draft right there. <laughs> That's I terrible. One on one. Come on. An anonymous source that I'm not going to disclose texted me today and said, "What if James Cook is the next T.J. Watt, smaller than his Pro Bowl brother, but ends up being better?" Question mark. You got people comparing mm. the Cook brothers to the Bosa's or to the Watts. I mean. It's, it's getting ridiculous. 106, 101. I, I hate to hear that. Uh, just class, please don't get ahead of ourselves. Please don't fall for the bait. I know right when that pick got sent out, Nick C said that is 100% bait. People are going to be moving up, taking and buying off the name, buying him off the offense. He could be there. Absolutely. Everyone could be good, but I'm not loving it. And um, for me, just real quick, my biggest riser is probably CD Lamb, Dalton Schultz, Michael Gallup. Um, I really expected Dallas to add a wide receiver, whether it was Traylon, whether it was some like, honestly, pretty solid name. I thought Jarrah could not pass up on a talent at wide receiver. So CD lamb. They didn't Jalen Tolbert in the third round, bro. I could care less about him, man. Um, I mean, CD lamb, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz. I think it's all great news for all of them. And then my biggest like faller, I guess you could say is Antonio Gibson. I talked about him with Nick C. We've, we've touched on him a little bit on the pod, but adding Robinson, you know, from Alabama, he's going to get goal line work. They already have McKissick. There's a three-headed monster now. Gibson can't stay healthy. I'm kind of just staying away. I think it's a bad time to sell, but it just it doesn't sit right with me, and I figured that would happen. I think we mentioned it last week, actually, on the pod. Like, be careful of 
if Washington drafts a running back for this exact reason. I love both of your picks. CD was actually popped into my head. Like I said, I've had a couple of these kill lifters, forgot about it. That Tolbert kid, it's just speed kills for him. He's got nothing else other than that. They already got Gallup on the other side. CD, the breakout season is upon us. Uh, let, let's chalk that in right now. A hundred percent. And so I just have one little piece of information for the class today. And I actually think it could be really, really helpful. And it's something that I've just been kind of doing silently. I'm going to share my hand a little bit, you know, Jay shared his, I'll share mine, stuff like that. Uh, Peter, put your, there's a a fake uh, hand share. This is fake. He's playing us. He's playing us. Yeah. (laughs) Peter, put your hearing aids in. A lot of people right now, including myself, you know, they want to have these rookie picks, whether it's 107, 108, 10, like everyone wants to have a rookie pick. And I touched on it before how it's just an uncertain value. You know, you don't know who you're going to get there and yet alone if they're going to hit. And a lot of times, unless it's Brees Hall or one of these guys, that's just like Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, like these guys in last year's draft, I don't think there's any in this year's draft, but they take time to develop. So whether it's like, um, Drake London, and he have to wait a couple like years. I mean, you could go buy him so much cheaper come the middle of the season. And I think that's what people are missing right now is like they're getting all the hype in these rookie picks. Like, oh, I want to own this player. Do you know how easy it is for like Billy Bob Joe to go draft like Garrett Wilson and then Garrett Wilson to have like a bad couple weeks and I ship him like a, a player that's like a second round pick or something or like a future second and a decent player for him. And then Garrett Wilson hits like you just have to be patient with these guys. And I don't think a lot of people are that are taking them right here. And I think, I feel like all of us on the pod kind of understand that, that these are, especially Peter, that these are uncertain values. And then just real quick before, while I have you guys still in class before the bell rings here. Bring, um, bring. Nope. Nope. We're going to stay two minutes extra here class today. Oh, the teacher's holding ah. us. The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. That's right. I dismiss you guys, uh, not the bell. If you're a rebuilder, and this would be more like during the season and stuff like that, I've really, this is like one of my first, I was competing last year, rebuilding this year. It sounds very vulgar and just bad to say, um, but I am looking forward to off-season injuries. Um, I think that if somebody on a competitor's team goes down and they, you could go get them and be like, Hey, like, listen, I know you're competing this year. Here's, I don't even know. Amara St. Brown for. Don't speak any name into existence. Deontay. Ah, just put the Malacca on him. Deontay Johnson, whoever, whoever it is, just go and buy those players. Like if you're a rebuilder, you have your window. It's dynasty fantasy football. Your window is so long. You can go out and get a player at an extreme value. And next year when you're competing, oh my gosh, I cannot wait for these injuries to start happening. I don't care if my whole team gets injured. Well, I don't have my own pick, but don't be afraid of injuries. Do not put too much value in these picks. Go out, get your guys if you have hope, but just buy dips, buy windows class. I, I love that. And uh, a guy that I love on this podcast is very well known. T Higgins just had labrum surgery. He's one of those guys. If he's going to start out slow or he's going to end up on some kind of injured list to start things up. Holy schmoly, go get that guy at a discount mm-hmm. because I mean, you hit the nail right on the head, man. Like my, the example I was thinking about, is this very kind of league 
depend-dependent or context-dependent. A.J. Brown, if he were to ever go down, you got a Terry McLaurin or a Cortland Sutton on your team, and they're going off, send it straight over. It looks like you lost in that moment, but when things even out, um, you're going to win in the long run. I, I love that tip, dude. Thank you. Thank you. You know, and Peter thought I was given a fake hand today. I'm showing my real hand here. I, I want you guys to have the most upfront information, whether it's with draft picks, whether it's with trading for injured players. Obviously, if you're competing and you're like, oh, I'm going to go trade for this guy who's hurting out for the year and shoot my foot, like that doesn't make any sense. But if you're in a rebuild or even teetering on the edge and you're like, hey, like, listen, I can go get Jalen Waddle for dirt cheap, 100% do it. But uh, that's going to wrap up our episode today. We wanted to thank Max, another great, insightful tip that personally I didn't really think about. And it's an important tip moving forward. He always comes in. He's always thinking one step ahead. And he's already got next week's trade corner down because I know he's thinking one step ahead of where he is right now. How can I screw over Peter? That's that's the constant thought that drives his day every day. But again, we want to thank you for listening all the way to the end. Uh, today, we went over our reports section, a couple of the, the news items, a couple of the trades that happened. And then we did a deeper dive into some of the top prospects and their landing spots for the NFL draft. Next week, we'll go over just really quickly some of the smaller names, uh, guys that we want to keep our eye on moving forward. Uh, Tyler Algier, I think that's how you say his name. Algier, I think he's a great pick. Fifth round running back to the Falcons. Uh, Zach Wilson loves him. He's another BYU guy. Little teaser for next week. Follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Monarchy. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Pod, wherever you get your podcast, Podbean, however you may be listening, find us there. Listen to us, uh, give us a subscription, download the podcast, unsubscribe, re-download, tell your grandmother about it, whatever you got to do. You stole the words right on our mouth. Share it with your friends, share it with your grandma, your grandpa, your school teacher, I don't care, play it in the car, get the word out. Like We're giving away jerseys. We're going to continuously do this. It's not just to build our following. We want to give back to you guys every single month. So share the following, share the wealth, and we're going to keep putting out content and producing man all right again Jalen Waddle signed jersey giveaway on the twitter yeah and I, I want to throw in if you got any questions trade questions draft questions send us a dm tweet at us uh, the good part about this podcast is we all kind of share the twitter account nixie mostly runs it but i think we all get notifications for it you will get all four perspectives on your question and i i think that's big time um you know tweeting to different podcasts on twitter with my own personal experience you get one answer you're going to get four possibly different ones from us. And I, I think that's what you want. Every, you know, dynasty is a complex thing with a bunch of different perspectives and you're going to get that with us. So let us know. All right. Thanks again, everybody for making it to the end of the episode. And next week we'll be doing a little bit of post draft rankings. All right. See everybody next week. Peace, 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 peace. Thank you for listening to the dynasty monarchy podcast. Fancy some fantasy advice. Tweet or DM at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter. Until next time, farewell, my fellow kings and queens. <laughs>